This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, welcome, Audrey Stimson. I wanted to make sure I said that right. I'm sure people, people get that a little wrong often. Um, I'm so happy to have you here. I know that we know each other through our mutual friend Sloan. And I was following one of your stories one day. And what you were sharing just totally resonated with me. Um, Something about ADHD. You are a Certified functional nutrition counselor specializing in ADHD, autoimmune, hormonal, and gut brain health. That is like all the things I'm into. So you checked off all the boxes and I was like, let's have you on the podcast. Um, thank you. So thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And yeah. I love your whole concept of reinvention because I feel like. I've reinvented myself so many times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all have the truth be told. And I think that there's just a lot of shame and stigma we carry around it. And so I think it stops people from living out that reinvention. But internally, you know, we are shifting and our soul is reinventing. And so to deny ourselves of that is just really, it's, I think, I believe it's what causes disease and mental health issues it's one of the core reasons. So permission to pivot. Yes. And to be authentic. I feel like, you know, if everyone just felt free to be themselves, then everyone would be a lot happier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so tell me, so I know that you used to be a professional photographer. You worked for, you worked for big publications like Vogue. Sloan was telling me all about it. You lived in New York City. You obviously, living in New York City and being a a photographer, you were living a fast-paced lifestyle. And what was that? What was that like? And what was that like to leave that? And why? So yeah, I um, originally from Memphis, Tennessee. I moved to New York to get my master's in fashion photography at the School of Visual Arts, and um, I started working straight after that program with top publications, as you said, it was a very hustle, hustle, hustle environment. Um, you know, as someone with ADHD, I, um, you know, used that to be able to, um, get along with lots of different types of people and, and do lots of different things and hustle, hustle, hustle. But also I was on medication, um, that I'd been on for 23 years and that helped enable me you know, or so I thought to, to slay in a sense, um, mm-hmm. I started abusing that medication and I, um, I don't know if you want me to go into that, but I can tell you a little yeah. bit more about that. So share. You know, in New York, it was just like, you know, you'd go straight from the, the shooting to the after party to the networking and constantly trying to 
connect with as many people as possible and you know make those connections um, and it was overwhelming and you know everybody was on something basically mm -hmm. you couldn't really do it all you know I think there's this idea that we can do it all and I think it's more about being authentic in what we do and using our time wisely in how we do things instead of trying to do everything. And I think, you know, I was told at a young age, at seven years old, they put me on this drug and told me that I needed to be on it for my whole life because I had attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which as many know, um, many people are being diagnosed now with ADHD for the first time. It's, um, kind of becoming an epidemic in a sense. Um, and they prescribed me Adderall um, as one of the first people to start taking Adderall. And they said that I would need to take it for the rest of my life. Little did I know that like it affects your norepinephrine, your serotonin and your dopamine. And after 23 years on the drug, I was so ill, so sick. Um, I couldn't process things anymore. And I was even more depressed, anxious. It led to extreme body dysmorphia um, and a lot of feelings of shame. And I felt very alone. And I always felt like I was doing things that, like Adderall made me feel like I could do um, anything. anything. Yes. And not only that, it made me feel like whatever I did, like I would do things I didn't really love because I felt like I had to. And it made me feel like I was into things that I wasn't really into. And I wasn't really myself. Like it's like an artificial sense of, en of energy, not just the physical, biological energy to do something or produce something. But I also feel like it gives you this false sense of desire. Like, like I'm totally into this. This is great. When in actuality, you're denying that either that intuition to lean in a different direction and actually lean in to your, your soul's purpose and calling and, or also just not do that thing as much or often because you don't have the natural in desire, desire or inclined to do that thing. Right. I can totally relate because I did that in my business. I set my whole business up on caffeine. It wasn't on Adderall, but like on caffeine and was pushing myself to go in a direction and making six figures a year, multiple six figures a year on a stimulant and that I wasn't really into. So I totally get it. Yeah. And I've abused Adderall before. So I also know about that. <laughs> it's very common. And most people, there's a lot of people on it. And most people at the top are on it. And, um, because honestly, the world that we live in requires us to be so many things 24 hours a day. We're supposed to be mm -hmm. on. And I think it, it's about knowing what you're capable of, knowing when to um, ask for help, and knowing when to mm -hmm. say no, uh, boundary setting. But also with, on Adderall, you're not listening in. Like you said, you're not listening into mm -hmm. yourself. And you don't hear that inner voice because Adderall is like kind of overriding it. And I think it was a big adjustment when I, when I stopped taking it um, because I had to, because I was so ill. I mean, there were so many side effects of this drug, but, and, you know, I felt like I could do anything and I was um, 
very promiscuous on the drug and I did a lot of things that I look back on and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I thought that I was in the right. I thought that I did certain things in relationships and friendships and, you know, I could stay up later and I could, you know, do more things. And, but also it led to other drugs and antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills and a lot of drinking to come down from the high. So it was just kind of this recipe for disaster of the gut, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I um, ended up being very sick and I was in hospital for the third time after fainting. Um, I literally couldn't process certain foods anymore because it does. 95% of our serotonin is in our gut and all of our neurotransmitters are built off of what we eat and also the medications that we take in our, you know, if we're taking certain medications and then we stop taking it and I was starting to wean off of it, our body's like, oh, I can't really process this food anymore because I don't have the help of this drug. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have the right enzymes. Right. Um, well, yeah, and you're, you don't have the neurotransmitters anymore helping you. So you have to get back to a baseline. So that is... Um, something that I got really into functional medicine and treating the whole person and looking for the root cause of ADHD and autism and autoimmune, which also I have an autoimmune condition now due to, I'm not, you know, I don't know for sure that it was due to the Adderall, but um, I'm pretty sure that it was triggered by the um, use of it. And I worked with so many others coming off of it that also had the same symptoms so, um, basically, you know, helping others figure that out and, and using this root cause approach to, um, not, it's not just food. It's not just diet. It's like our whole background. You know, I do timelines with my clients and uh, like, were you on birth control? Was there trauma in early childhood? Um, you know, what was going on at this time and, and kind of linking up when, you know, all of the symptoms started happening based on their life history. You know, was there antibiotic use as a child? Um, what medications are you on? All of these different things factor into who we are. I mean, we're all unique, all things matter, and um, everything is connected. So that is kind of how I um, began my journey off of the medication. And, you know, I'm not anti-medication, but I am anti-medication for ever. Like, something that you're supposed to be on forever. And I, and stimulant medication affects so many things negatively over time. And we didn't know until now because I'm one of the longest case studies. So now we're seeing like what the long-term effects of heavy stimulant use is. So. Yeah. What do you think is, I have so many directions I I, want to dig in, but What do you think, you know, going back to that statement that ADD and ADHD is an epidemic, um, I was listening to Dr. Uh, Bush, what's his name? Dr. Drawing a blank right now. Um, I will link it in the show notes actually, because I have a little, a a reason to link that. Um, But I was listening to this podcast yesterday and it was talking about basically how the 
everything is so connected, right? Just like you said. And we prescribe names of diseases to symptoms that are in this realm, right? All these symptoms check the box so that this is this disease. This is obesity. This is diabetes. This is ADD. This is ADHD. ADD and ADHD are classified as essentially a brain disease, right? There's not enough serotonin in the brain or whatever it is. And they have this classification that it's now called, you are diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. So what do you think is the truth about your personal opinion? I'm just curious. Is ADD and ADHD an actual, oh, this is what he was saying. He was saying that there's no disease in two people's body that's exactly the same. It's just a myriad of symptoms that are similar, that are the same. The symptoms are the same. But in the biology, when you actually study their DNA and you study the actual disease in the body, it is not the same, right? So we've prescribed people or diagnosed people with ADD and ADHD all across the board. It's this huge epidemic. Is ADD and ADHD real? Or is it a myriad of symptoms that many people have because of the conditions of the society and the environments we live in? And they're just a group of symptoms. So, I mean, I, I, when I was coming off of Adderall, I wanted to believe that there was no such thing because I had not actually been off of medication for 23 years. So I didn't really know who I was. And I didn't really know how bad my ADD or ADHD was or even really what it was. I just thought it was hyperactivity. I didn't realize that it was actually too much attention on lots of different things and not being able to narrow in that focus. And it's a lot of um, Mm. emotional regulation issues, um, the inability to concentrate um, on things that we're not interested in, not things that we are interested in because we can hyper-focus for hours on certain things. So I didn't really understand um, a lot about that. Do I believe that ADHD is affected by everybody's different? Yes. Um, everybody has genetic predispositions to certain diseases. So you should say, or, um, different, um, symptoms and that these, these different diseases can be switched on and off. Um, because of this genetic predisposition. But then we also have the epigenetic factors, which are the lifestyle and the diet and the toxicities in our environment and trauma and all of these different factors that factor into how does that predisposition actually turn on or not? Because, you know, it can be like dormant if we're not exposing ourselves to all of these other factors just like cancer. It's in our body. It's dormant. In our body. We, we make cancer cells every day. When our immune system is working properly, it gets rid of them. <laughs> uh, but everybody, not every day, but we have cancers. Everybody has cancer cells in their body. Um, it's just a matter of being able to get rid of them and about healing ourselves. And when we're overloaded and overtaxed, which most of us are in our society by stress, you know, increased cortisol, leading to decreased thyroid hormone, leading to um, decreased function of our gut because our gut and our brain are connected by our vagal nerve. Um, 
basically our parasympathetic response and how we can rest and digest. If that's not working, if we're not resting, if we're not meditating, if we're not treating our body um, well with the foods that we're putting into our body and we're, um, we have systemic inflammation, then that's going to inflame not only the gut, but the brain. And then our brain is going to have a lot of issues. Also like excess glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter. It's like MSG and our foods and how certain things are processed. These can actually lead to, um, overwhelming uh, symptoms of autism and ADHD to where, you know, they're almost not, um, basically like, you know, like have you, if you've seen somebody that cannot regulate their emotions at all and is having the most ridiculous fit and can't stop, um, hitting the floor, hitting the walls, whatever it is, that is because that can be exacerbated by the foods that we put in our body. And I, I love Dr. Reed. Um, she is amazing. She helped cure her daughter's symptoms of autism completely by uh, focusing on the proteins within the diet and removing excess glutamate by removing certain processed foods, um, gluten and dairy because casein and, um, uh, gluten, not only can they easily make their way through the tight gap junctions and like if we already have a compromised gut, um, in our small intestine, but they also, um, because of the way that they're processed today, they are no longer bound glutamate. It's free mm-hmm. flow. And so because of that, it's free floating and it actually acts as MSG in our body. Wow. Creating I am such a nerd. I love this stuff. I love <laughs> this. Talk dirty to me, Audrey. <laughs> um, you are such a sponge. You absorbed, you have, obviously you're so well studied and you've absorbed so much information and you can articulate it so well. So thank you for sharing all this. Um, what is I know it's a lot. I can just like I just get really no, excited, you know. <laughs> not, I, I'm super intrigued by it all. I wish I did a lot of gut health study for personal reasons. My daughter, this is a funny story. My daughter, we were on vacation in Costa Rica and my daughter was like two and a half and she took off her bathing suit when we were at a pool and she started running around naked by the edge of the pool and there was nobody around. So she was just running around naked and she, I'm sitting on the edge of the pool like this, watching her run back and forth. She stops right in front of me and takes a dump right in front of me on the sidewalk or on the edge of the pool. And I look into the poop and there's literal worms, parasites in her poop. So it was like a God moment. Like, thank God she pooped in front of me so that I could address that problem. So obviously she eats the same foods I eat. I probably had a parasite issue at the time as well. So it led me on this huge gut health journey. It was 2019. I was already really into interested in gut health um, in general because it was a very trendy topic at that moment. That's kind of when it started emerging the conversation publicly and so I got really into it, uh, but I love listening to it and learning about it and getting the key points on it. And, um, and so that was what led me on my gut health journey. And really I was battling with bulimia for the second time in my life at that time. Cause I was postpartum and I just, we were living in Miami, New York and LA. I couldn't get my, we had no 
we just didn't have a, a routine. And I was living under high stress, traveling all the time with a toddler, a new, a new baby, not having my own career because we were living on the road. And, um, and so I engaged in this bulimic lifestyle again or trauma. And so a lot of my gut health was coming from that, right? Like I was not treating my body well. So when my daughter took a shit in front of me (laughs) that had parasites in it, it led me down this huge healing path. And really things have been up since there. Um, It led me to eventually quit drinking so much coffee because of my, I was, my adrenal, my adrenal system was totally taxed. There was so much stress in my body and inflammation because my adrenals were so inflamed or so overdone, overused. Um, I was drinking like a pitcher of coffee a day and, um, and yeah, it's just been a real healing journey to really, I just had a conversation with a health coach in my last podcast and really trying to understand what drives me, what drives my desire to eat certain foods. Why have we been conditioned in the society that we eat carbohydrates two, three, four times a day? We eat processed foods almost every day. Most people do. We drink sodas. We eat consume sugar. Um, we've normalized the use of dairy products and, um, and where does this lead us? Epidemic of ADHD, diabetes, obesity, autism, and the list, cancer, and the list goes on, right? So, and even a lot of like reproductive. So, what do you, how do you help people when they come to you? And what is the main driver when people come to you? What are they searching for? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but what what is their de- desire and what are their pain points at this point? What are they desperate in desperate need of? First, yeah, I mean, all of this is so important. So, firstly, what I do is more. Um, I'm more of like you know, everybody just wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel like they're being listened to, and you kind of have to come at it from like, what is it that they want? Like, what is it? It's not that they want to lose weight or that they want to you know, heal their PCOS or that they want to just fix their brain fog. It's what they want to do because of fixing those things. And, you know, do you want to play more with your children? Do you want to, you know, um, have the energy to start your own business? You know, what is it that drives you to do this healing journey? Because you have to have a why. And if you don't have that why, you will not continue on the journey. And that, you know, I can get chills thinking about that, but it's so important to know why you're doing something and why you want to heal. Um, Because healing is hard. It is not easy. It is very, like, very difficult to change at all, especially, you know, a lot of us have recently, all of us have recently gone through even more of a trauma with the pandemic. I mean, everyone is more stressed, more taxed. You talk about postpartum. I, you know, am postpartum and I've had a lot more issues postpartum that I didn't realize would happen because of hormonal issues. And so the people that come to me now, um, you know, I started with just ADHD and coming off of stimulants, but a lot of people, because all of it is really stemming from one thing, gut health. If your gut is compromised, your brain is compromised. If your gut is compromised, 
your adrenals and your thyroid and your hormonal system is compromised. If all of those things are compromised, you lead to a, a, a downstream effect of insulin resistance and diabetes. And it, it, it all actually stems from one thing. So if you understand the gut, you can heal the rest. And I think a lot of people are like, let's start with this. Let's start with this disease or this. It's not about what disease someone is. It's all starting with the same thing. When they come in to see me, um, whatever it is that their symptoms are, you know, whether I have a client with PCOS or autoimmune like Hashimoto's or ADHD, aut- or their child has autism, um, I work with them on first learning who they are or who their child is, who I'm helping. And I do a timeline in history um, where we walk through and we're like, this is you from birth till now. Let's let's see this on paper and see how this has happened. Um, and then also doing a client intake form of really, it's a deep dive into who they are. Because literally, like you said, we're all unique. I mean, I, some people can't um, tolerate salicylates or oxalates in their food. Some people really, I mean, most people that have a gut, most everyone with gut problems should eliminate dairy and gluten just because they're inflammatory, um, you know, especially while healing the gut. But a lot of people have different needs. You know, some people might have an egg allergy and they don't even know. So they need to do certain testing. So it's about starting with first their history, um, their lifestyle factors. Are you overly stressed? What are you, what do you do for a living? Like, you know, because if you're, if you're surrounded by stress, you can't do anything. Are you sleeping? Are you pooping? you're not pooping, you're not excreting waste. If you're not excreting waste, it's staying in your body and that is going to affect everything. Um, you know, what is your daily diet? We do a food mood poop journal. So we go, you know, we monitor, we, we monitor their, their food for a week, their poops and their, um, their, like their mood with like, you know, after eating and they start to realize, wow, like that's how I feel after eating this food. And I also have a wish list that I work with them um, to contact their doctor, um, especially if they're having a lot of issues. I, there are certain labs that I'd like for them to have run that I go over. There's functional ranges and then there's pathological ranges. This is really fascinating. If you geek out on stuff, you'll think this is interesting. But there's a pathological range for, um, you know, you go into the doctor and they say, like, you're high or you're low or whatever. That range is based off the median of people near that in your area not based on what is healthy but based on everyone in that area so there's a functional range that i look at that i would really like it to ideally be and not the pathological because most everybody is sick i don't know any one person that isn't anxious isn't depressed isn't having gut issues diarrhea eczema psoriasis um joint pain whatever it is that's a gut issue all of it. <laughs> and so we're all sick because of not only that, but like toxicities in our environment, mold, BPA, and our plastics that we're using every single day, um, that skincare products that we're using that affect our hormone, their endocrine disruptors. So there's just so much to look at. And so like when a doctor, you go into a doctor, they're going to prescribe and doctors are great. I mean, don't get me wrong. My son has cystic fibrosis and he would not be alive without enzymes that he takes every single meal um, without the help of these doctors and the CF Foundation. 
But at the same time, like you go in and they have so many patients, so many people that they work with to try to help heal. They do not have time to get to know every single person because, you know, they need to make money. And it's acute. It's acute care. They're going at things very one dimensionally. So it's a great tool for testing and pathology and, and the research that has been done yet. It's just one avenue and it comes from one direction treating symptoms. And so you can use it for that. Exactly. And so when you go into the doctor, they're going to treat the symptom. Like you said, they are going to give you a pill. Like they're going to tell you to take acid blockers when really you have too much stomach acid or no too little stomach acid. And you need to increase your stomach acid so that you don't have GERD, but they give you PPIs, which actually exacerbate your gut. So they're, they're placating a symptom and they're not getting to the root cause of what's going on in there. If you don't have enough stomach acid, you can't absorb iron and B12 and then you're not going to have any energy, but they're giving you something to just fix the symptom, which is not going to fix the problem of the little And so it's going to ping pong in another direction. The problem is just going to come out another direction. They, they, my father had his gallbladder removed and they didn't assess his diet. Like they weren't like. They had a whole organ removed and they didn't say, what do you eat? What do you consume? Like now it's dumping right into his small intestine instead of, because the gallbladder, instead of, you know, a lot of times they tell you to take that out, but it actually like doesn't get rid of the root cause problem. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's a, in the gallbladder is, it's a, it's a detox. It's part of your detox system, right? So it's like, well, what is happening to that? that food now and those are the process that it's supposed to be doing. Who is doing that process in your body? Yeah, it's now? supposed to be storing the bile and then the bile is going to come to the small intestine so that you can digest your foods. Now it's being dumped directly into the small intestine instead of going like the liver sends it to the, to um, the gallbladder to store it. Now the liver doesn't have anywhere to store it. It just goes straight into the small intestine and it's being dumped. And because of that, like, you're not going to process food the right way. And it's actually, you know, it can be more, more problems because of that. I mean, it's just, they don't think about that. They just think, well, let's get rid of this organ. And then, you know, instead of fixing the problem, the gallstones that are, you know, being caused by inflammation, um, internal inflammation, it's, it's huge. And, And a lot of times when you're already inflamed, you need to remove the inflammatory because these proteins, so like your, say your small intestine is compromised and you, that's where you absorb your nutrients. So if it's compromised, you can't absorb any vitamins. doesn't matter how many vitamins you take, you're not absorbing it. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I go off. I can- that's wild. That's wild. So what, what was the journey? Like your, you said your son, right? Yes. Your son has cystic fibrosis. So what was that journey like learning that he has cystic fibrosis? When did you find out? And what, what is that? He, it's a healing journey. What has that healing journey been like for you and your family? Oh, it has been a wild ride. It's, um, it's still really painful. Um, and it's been a really big, um, what's the word? Um, it's been a lot of grief about what my life is going to be like. Uh, with mm. a child, you know, uh, I, mm-hmm. how easy I thought it would not easy. I knew having a child would not be easy, but how I thought it would be. 
Um, and it's been a learning curve, but I feel like, you know, who better to work with someone with cystic fibrosis than someone that knows about the gut? You know, he can't digest certain foods, um, with enzymes. And I, um, know all about that now because I've studied it and I can, you know, he recently had some issues and I was able to put him on a liver detox, um, and help bring his liver enzymes down because of a protocol, you know, using castor oil packs and doing these different things. So I've learned how to use control in a, in a way, <laughs> even though there is no control to try to feel like I'm doing something. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me, I, I definitely struggle with postpartum depression. And How old is your son? Um, he's one and a half. Oh, he's so young. Yeah. And so, you know, um, it's, it's also, you know, drawn me more towards gut healing and more towards learning and soaking up as much as possible so that I can help other cystic fibrosis families as well. And I, I found this community online, you know, as much as social media can be harmful, it is also amazing for connection. Um, you know, it's about finding that balance. And I've been able to connect with so many cystic fibrosis moms because we can't meet in person because our children can't be next to each other because they can share bacteria. So it actually, um, that's been very helpful. Um, and I can, and help. what does that mean? Because they can't share bacteria. So why is that? They have to be six feet away uh, from each other, uh, because they can actually share the bacteria that goes into their lungs. Each person with cystic fibrosis grows bacteria in their lungs. They have to be very careful around certain things like outside, like pseudomonas, we're super careful about like cleanliness, even though I didn't want to sanitize anything because I want them to have a good microbiome with him. We have to be a lot more careful. Um, and they can share that bacteria if they're in close proximity. So we kind of have to have this social media bond because we can't really be around each other, um, in close proximity, which is wow. Yeah. But I mean, I think that, that, that finding, I've found a lot of strength in every single thing that I've done is coming off of medication, which was so hard. I thought it was the hardest thing I've ever done until I had a child with a child in general, just having a child is hard. <laughs> yeah. It changes yeah, exactly. you in ways that you cannot even imagine. Um, and then having a child with cystic fibrosis to feel like I had some sort of um, handle on things. I mean, I've, I feel like, you know, diving into this has really helped, um, cope with that, but also diving into spirituality and wellness and healing modalities and certain things that I'm like, okay, let's try this for him. Let's try this. And also just, I've become more spiritual because there is no control and learning, you know, I was kind of anti that my whole life. And, and, um, I was always chasing ego and chasing mm -hmm. things that well because the ego likes likes things that are finite that are, that are concrete you know and i think spirituality especially if you come from a religious background yeah and you pull away from that religious background even though there's a lot of finite and in, in dogma right like the bible says this and it has to be this way there's a lot of fundamentalism and do do and dogma within religion it's if you're repulsed by that because of your upbringing and you run away from it, leaning into spirituality somehow leaves you feeling like 
I have to relinquish control and accept the things that happen in the world around me and to me. And when you do that, your ego has to really let go so that your soul can ride the wave, right? And so I think that it's... Wow, I love it. Thanks. I think that it's a really profound and uncomfortable experience to have a spiritual awakening and to become spiritual, especially if you lean more towards atheism or um, what is it called? Just not believing in anything. I'm drawing a blank here. Agnostic. Agnostic. Yeah. Agnosticism. Um, and, or you're just very spiritual in a religious sense and because there's a lot of fundamentalism there. So to believe in anything outside of the text that has been written by men is it's a hard, I feel like it's a big pill to swallow and I feel like it's a big journey for people to go on. You know, I, I think that, but I think becoming a mother and with your life experience and oh. things like that, it's where we end up going. It's the place that we have to go to because we realize and recognize the cosmos are within our womb. Like God right. is, is birthed from us. When we look into the eyes of those children, when we first see our kids, it's like undeniable that there's something else out there. And I think what's really interesting is like, even though this is obviously such a big soul journey that you're on with your son and such a unique pact and contract that you guys have that you are the perfect person to be given this opportunity. And the universe is conspiring for your growth and for his growth. And it's a pretty epic journey that you're on. And I honor that because it's takes a lot of bravery to face it head on and not just be victimized by it. So bravo. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it is being a mother though. It, it definitely, you have no control and you have this new life that love more than you can. I mean, you can't even put it into words and to have no control over whether or not they are okay in the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you have to relinquish that and you have to trust in something higher than yourself, because if you don't have that, then what do you have? And I feel like that's kind of where I've found myself um, really on a spiritual and holistic and wellness journey to help others, but also, and to, and to let go of ego, to let go of anything that is inauthentic, that is not true to who I am. And that it isn't going to build a life that's, that's helping others. Like, honestly, genuinely, like, is this something that I feel called to do? Do I feel good about this? If I don't, I don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, I can immediately tell, like, how do I feel in my solar plexus? Does this feel right? No? Okay, then that's something like telling me that, that, you know, there's a different direction that I need to go in. Yeah. And it's so interesting, right? Like our solar plexus is our gut. It's how we Mm -hmm. make decisions, right? We say gut instinct. It's also the place where anxiety lives when you feel butterflies in your stomach. It's also the place where excitement lives and we 
are hardly trained to know the difference between anxiety and excitement and often think we're overwhelmed and anxious when actually we just haven't learned to embrace excitement and the lack of the unknown, right? And so it's this really intertwined, entangled world of we have so much study on the mind, right? People go to school for psychology. They have careers around the brain. And obviously there's people studying the gut, but like, I don't think that there's enough people in their personal lives taking on the study of the gut. Like we study personal development. We will read articles on studies of the mind. We will read definitions of ADD and ADHD and assume they're all up there in the mind, right? Yet to really connect to, like you're saying, everything begins in the gut and not just on a on a biological sense and a physical sense in the body, but actually a spiritual sense and an emotional sense to really understand emotional regulation and to really understand how to follow your instinct and get to know yourself is through this, this, all these organs, which form the gut. It's, it's a standard and heart. Yeah. It's connected to the heart, right? Like that. And our microorganisms in our gut, um, our bacteria, you know, we're mostly bacteria down there, which is, we're ruled by bacteria. And like when that's off, when we have bad bacteria and not enough good bacteria, like say, you know, probiotics, like that affects our mind and our, our gut affects our brain. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, all of that, it does start in the brain, but it connect, you know, it's, it's a back and forth relationship. It goes from the gut to the brain. Most, the majority goes from the gut to the brain. So if the gut is making the decisions, then what we put in our body makes makes a big difference in how we feel and how our brain functions. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I read a, a statement um, by a woman that I follow, and she said, we should be eating like we have cancer or an autoimmune disease. That is the way we need to be living. Not eating. She said living. Sorry. She said we need to be living like we have cancer or autoimmune disease. It's the most preventative way to live. And it's honestly the most integral, natural way to live. And it was just so poignant and it hit me so squarely. And I've been avoiding because we're such foodies and my fiance owns restaurants and bars and I'm a healthy hedonist and I like all the things in life and the pleasures. But I was so... I was conditioned and so normalized, you know, especially working in the food and beverage industry for 10 years and hospitality, eating out sauces, GMOs, MSG, like these sugars in all your foods, sweet, salt, savory, or uh, sugar, salt, acid. That's the combination in in food, right? Especially restaurant food was so heightened, like what I was used to so much salt, so much acid, so much fat sugar. And, um, and really this year recently, I've really fallen back in love with movement and working out and natural foods, like the way that they come lightly cooked, 
lightly salted, little oil, very little, if not at all. Although um, coconut oil, I just put it on everything. <laughs> yeah, coconut oil is great. But I mean, as soon as you cook it, it's just like not as good, you know, for you. So it's like, how do we... Yeah, yeah. I used to think that was so extreme is my point though, right? Like I used to think like, ah, people who live like that are so restricted and I could never, I don't have the discipline. Oh, I love going out to eat. I eat like a local. That was a saying that we used to say, like we eat like locals. Like we'd go to Koreatown in LA and we'd eat Korean barbecue. And then we go to Chinatown and we eat Chinese food. I mean, this is all in a matter of like three days. We'd eat sushi and then we'd have bagels for breakfast. And it was like, uh, and we lived in three states at a time. So we we're eating like that, like everywhere we went for a few years. And then fast forward to just like our monthly traveling now or bi-monthly traveling. It's like the same thing or just going to restaurants. Right. And it's just been so normalized. And I thought living any other way was really extreme. And so just now in the last six months, I've, and I think that it's through the, my personal journey through microdosing psilocybin and getting really in touch with, um, plant intelligence, um, and in connection to my soul's calling and evolution and its desire that it's no longer necessary to have so much pleasure in that way all the time. It's not that it's so much pleasure. It's that I'm perceiving that as the way to get pleasure, right? Now I get pleasure from movement. Now I get pleasure from sunlight. Now I get pleasure from the kinds of water I consume. We have a water bar in our kitchen. We have like four different water filtration systems for like different things and different reasons. One is just for volume, the Berkey water. It's like just high volume water there all the time. But we have other higher filtration systems that we use for manifestation and alchemy and neutralizing the body and pH balancing and all these things. And so it's just really for me, I think anybody on this journey that's listening that feels like one, I don't have an autoimmune disease or hormonal problems or endocrine problems or whatever it is. I don't have very many symptoms or I just want to lose weight or I just want to have less brain fog, right? Really connecting to your, going back to what you said, really connecting with your why and also understanding that this body is one lifetime. We don't have it for very long. It's rented. And although I don't perceive that we're all sick, I do perceive that the environment, the society that we live in is very sick. Yes. And that is all around us and coming Mm -hmm. through us and in us. We're very porous. That bacteria that lives within us, it's just held by this porous body. It's good and bad. It's all there for a reason, right? And so for me, it's just been a big mindset shift of what is pleasure, energy, longevity, health, optimization, right? So my big takeaway is like, we should all be in love with gut health (laughs) and we should all, all have people like you in our coaches like you in our pocket so that we can really learn to understand our biology and our bodies. Yeah. And everybody is different. And that's just, I think the key is knowing that we're all different and it doesn't really matter what it is like 
we, it, as long as you know your why, you can work on that with me um, to help heal. So Audrey, where can everybody find you? So um, I have my, my website is audreystimson.com. It's A-D-R-E-Y-S-T-I, M as in mother, P as in Paul, S-O-N.com. And there's also a, a link for a free consult there if anyone's interested. You can also find me on Instagram at Audrey Stimson. Um, and I have a lot of free resources um, and a lot of about gut health, a lot about ADHD, um, and basically anything functional nutrition. So um, feel free to email me as well at Audrey at AudreyStimson.com. And I have one last question. What does rebellious reinvention mean to you? I've been asking everybody. It means showing up authentically and saying yes to the things that that set your soul on fire and no to the things that 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 you feel in your gut are just not right. Um, mm-hmm. Showing up authentically. And, and I think when you do that, you reinvent yourself. Listening in, listening into yourself. Um, to that inner voice before going forward with anything. I love that description. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you for joining you. me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So authentically and honestly and vulnerably. And I really honor the work that you do. And guys, make sure to book your 30 minute console if this conversation inspired you. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you. Every week we have a reoccurring segment. I share my favorite things, tangible products to use things to walk away with and above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think, read, shop, grab, and do are the categories. This week, think. Have we been so conditioned by society, big pharma, misinformed about our own health and biology for the profit of others that we have become separate from nature when in fact we are nature? Have we been told to treat our symptoms rather than attune our biology from the inside out? Do you know our disease or dis-ease is never the same exact disease in anyone else's body? That we just illustrate a set of symptoms in the category of our named illness and that we call it that and treat it with drugs that can tamper down the symptoms? I just listened to an amazing podcast with Dr. Zach Bush, who blew my mind on healing. I'll leave that in the show notes. So I ask you, leave your diagnosis behind and start listening to your body. It's totally capable of healing. You have the keys. You just have to open your mind beyond Western medicine and science. Read, Scattered, How Attention Deficit Disorder Originates and What You Can Do About It by Gabor Mate. In this breaking guide to understanding, treating, and healing attention deficit disorder, also known as ADD, Dr. Gabor Mate, an adult with ADD and the father of three ADD children, shared the latest information on the external factors that trigger ADD, how to create an environment that promotes health and healing, Ritalin and other drugs, ADD adults, and so much more. I will leave that in the show notes as well. Also grab your free 30 minute coaching session. If you enjoyed this conversation with between me and Audrey, she is a world of knowledge as you can see and follow her. And if you love this podcast, please like subscribe, share, and feel free to drop me a line, letting you know what your favorite part was. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.